being thankful all year long. <clears throat> I have a good friend who says that that one idea is what brought him out of one of the darkest places he was in life. Uh, he was, I, I haven't really heard him call it depression, but it smacked of that and it was rooted in feeling very poorly about his circumstances. And he would just go into his office when he went to work and close the door and sit there and cry. And this went on for a number of weeks. He could hardly function. And he was given the story of Paul and Silas in jail when they chose to sing praises at midnight. And what came to him was that had to be a conscious choice. It wasn't because they were so overjoyed with their circumstances. They had just been beaten and their backs were raw and they're stuck in stocks. They can't get comfortable and they don't know they're going to get rescued miraculously. He says, he told me, he said, uh, I decided I was going to verbalize praise to God. And he said, the first things that came out of my mouth were kind of like squawks. They didn't really sound very good. Uh, but that was the beginning of a fairly dramatic turnaround for him. And uh, I appreciate him sharing that story with me. And, and I frequently think of that. Yes, we should be thankful uh, in everything. Give thanks. And that's not always easy or fun, but it is there. Well, this morning I am not on the schedule, uh, but I am up front. Tony and I have swapped due to his, uh, change of events, unplanned events of the last couple weeks. So he and I traded on the schedule. I'm grateful for computers and printers, especially when they work. Uh, I went to print my notes this morning and my printer did not want to cooperate. And it was time to go to church. So I don't have printed notes this morning. And so I'm going to have to do something a little different that I don't normally do. And we're going to see if we can run my notes in one program and the screen uh, on the other. We'll see. It kind of likes it. It kind of doesn't. For those of you that were here last week, you know, we talked about the Christian and the state. And the way that we, uh, we as believers relate to society, government, uh, what is our role in that? What is one of the things we should do? Well, Tony told me a few days ago, he really thinks I probably need to plan to go ahead or that he can't go ahead. And thought, well, there would be a very appropriate follow-up to last week. And so I want us to, I want to give primarily thoughts on prayer this morning, and I want us to actually spend time praying together. This is election week. On Tuesday, we have elections happening for the different offices in the government. And let's go to the throne room of heaven this morning with that. And there'll be many other things that we can pray for as well. So I would like to reflect on a few things, uh, particularly about effective prayers and how should we pray. This is not an exhaustive list, but, you know, as I think about what 
the truth is that we are in, we are observing, and I'm not talking just politically, though it enters in. We are observing a battle of the ages between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And that is being played out in many, many ways. The devil wants to damn as many people to hell or take as many along to hell as he can. He, his goal is to uh, steal and destroy and kill. The Bible tells us that God's kingdom, on the other hand, is whosoever will may be saved. And the opportunity is for people to join his kingdom and to spend eternal life with him in glory. So we have those things going on. There's those forces at work. We're in a very broken world. Uh, we have to choose which side we're on, uh, which kingdom we're a part of. So we're admonished to pray. We have promises that God hears our prayers. Uh, we have the statements in the scripture that whatever God hears when we pray, uh, it says, whatever you will, he will answer it. And we know that that doesn't work out always because, well, that's part of what today's about is why not. Uh, but how do we deal with that whole thing? We come to God in prayer. We're choosing to be on his side. I've wrestled with that some, probably not as much, not real deeply. Uh, I believe the Lord has given me uh, peace and grace and just understanding that I don't know his ways. I can't presume to know everything about his perfect will. And so, while I certainly have opinions and preferences, I'm okay with God doing it his way, even if it's not my way. Now, that doesn't make it comfortable, uh, but there is a sense of trust and joy and contentment that happens there. So just in kind of an overarching, overarching statement here, as I think about uh, why do people not have answers to prayer? Two things. One is, well, they're not in accordance to God's will. And you'll find numerous scriptures that would illustrate that, if not state that. And also, there's other things that don't bring glory to God. And so uh, we know that what the Lord does will ultimately do those two things. They will be in accordance to his will, and they will... Uh, bring glory to him. Prayer is not man telling God what to do, but rather it opens the heart of man to allow God's power to work in and through us as he sees fit. We do have some examples in scripture where people implored God and it says that God changed his mind. Uh, amazing. Uh, God wants us to implore him. We're going to see some scriptures that that indicate that. So what I'd like to do first, I'd like to share seven hindrances that are listed. I don't know that this is a list that is uh, complete. There may be more, but I'd like to give these, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on them. And then I'm gonna just briefly talk about uh, how we pray and I'm leaving time for us to actually pray this morning together. Uh, so I'd like to run through this. What are things, aside from the big picture of it not being God's will and not being bringing glory to him, what are things that 
will hinder the Lord in uh, answering my prayers. The first one is sin, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Unconfessed sin keeps the Holy Spirit from controlling our lives. If we harbor that sin in our hearts, our fellowship with God is broken. If we ignore the convictions and prompting of the Holy Spirit, we are in essence telling the Lord that we want to be in control rather than him. And that is the, the big offense to God in sin is that it is putting something besides him and his ways first. 1 John 3.23 says, Whatever we ask, we receive of him. And here's because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So their sin will keep the Lord from hearing us. The second one is disobedience. Proverbs 28.9, He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. That's a fascinating one to me. So you have someone that is uh, living wrongly, they're disobedient, and here it says, someone who turns his ear away from hearing the law, it's, his prayer becomes something wrong, abhorrent. It's an abomination to the Lord. Uh, there again, you can look at numerous stories where that is uh, shown in Scripture where people didn't follow God's ways and it was uh, their disobedience kept the Lord from working with them and hearing them. The third one is doubt. James 1, 5 through 7. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Isn't that a strong statement? A doubting person in verse 7, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Uh, we are strongly admonished here to, to have faith and to walk in wisdom, to trust God, to give you know, doubt begins as a temptation from the devil over things which we have no control over them. And we begin to doubt as a part of that. The part that we can control is how we respond to that. Uh, we need to respond like the, the father did in the story where there was a, a demon-possessed son. And Jesus came to the situation and the he Jesus told him that all things were possible to those who believe and I like what the father said he said lord i believe help my unbelief and i think we find ourselves in in those shoes sometimes we want to believe and yet the very human element we wrestle with doubt and not understanding and is god really going to do this is can he do this help my unbelief Apathy towards humanity or a lack of empathy. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoso stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself and shall not be heard. 
uh, we have to have a heart of caring for people around us. A hard heart is not reflective of God's character. The fifth one here, pride and self-righteousness, just a little longer passage. And this is the one uh, where we have the two men in the temple and Jesus talking about. Actually, in Luke 18, there's a couple of really interesting ones about prayer. If you want to look at that later, you may find that interesting. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Uh, hang on a second here. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And I'd like for you to notice here in verse 14, it simply says that the publican, the man who recognized his sin, was the one who went to his house justified. So pride and self-righteousness hinder our ability to be heard by the Lord. Number six, then, is selfishness, James 4.3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. And I think that's fairly self-explanatory. We're asking for the wrong reasons. We're asking for very selfish reasons. And number seven is one that particularly applies to married men. And this is from First uh, Peter. And this is one that I don't remember how far I was into married life when I first had this one stick in my mind, and it hasn't left since. Uh, significant to me. It's one of the things that I think makes it extremely important for us as men who are caring for wives. How do we care for them? Do we care? Listen to what verse 7 says. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the weaker wife, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. A fairly simple statement. Uh, men, I urge you if your prayers aren't being answered, maybe even if they are, be checking these things. There's several things listed there that your prayers be not hindered. Dwell with them according to knowledge and understanding. It places a lot of responsibility on us. So how then should we pray? So let's remove the hindrances we just talked about. We could go and we could put opposites of all of those. We could have a list of seven things that are opposite of what we just talked about. 
I want to go beyond that and give four things that scripture does tell us. The first one is in the name of Jesus. In John 14, 13 and 14, this is one of several places. This thing of praying in the name of Jesus is actually really emphasized there in, um, in John 14, 15, and 16. There are a number of times when it is stated there. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And here's the one in John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And there are a few others that for the sake of time, I will not go into. Well, there's one on the screen. I say to you, whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give you. So there's three of them from John 14, 15, and 16. The second one is that we need to pray according to the will of God. And I have several references here. First John 5, 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so here we're, he's walking through the steps. We pray according to his will. He hears us. If he hears us, we know that he will answer that prayer. Romans 8, 26. I throw this one in here, not because it says we know the will of the Father, but rather because it's a reflection of human experience. Sometimes I don't know how to pray. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. It needs prayer. And Romans 8 here tells us the Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that may look different for you than for some other people, but when you come and there's frustration, there's uh, a lack of understanding, how should I pray? Come to the Lord in prayer and ask him. Ask the Spirit to pray for you. Uh, implore the Lord to work on your behalf. Acknowledge, I don't know. Lord, do your will. Accomplish your, your good ways and your will through this. One other thing I don't have on the screen here. When Jesus said, pray after this manner, what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer, one of the phrases in that is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, he tells us to ask God's will to be done. So when we don't know what God's will is, we can simply ask him that he would do it, even if we don't know. And we pray according to the will of the Lord in that way. The third thing then is that we should pray without ceasing. Very simple. Does that mean that we're always audibly praying? Our lips are always moving? No, I don't think so. But I think what it does mean is that we are in we're in a state of mind that we readily go to the Lord in prayer. Maybe prayer is like this far away from the surface. And as we're doing our things, we can't be talking to the Lord audibly all the time. But if our mind and our heart is pray without ceasing, 
uh, will not be far from that at any given moment. And then pray persistently. Oops, I missed, I wanted to have a scripture on here. I'll read it. Uh, this one is from Luke 18. This is another one of the stories I mentioned from that chapter. Uh, so Jesus said, he told a story. He spake a parable to them, and on the screen, my screen, not yours, unfortunately, I had this bold and underlined, that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Have you ever felt like not praying or felt like giving up and losing heart? Well, Jesus gave this parable specifically to address that. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and when she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Now, I don't understand this one. Why would God bear long with us? Why would he choose? It, it sounds like he's putting himself in a position of, I want my children to cry out day and night. And after they do that long enough, then I'll do something about it. Well, I don't think he does it that way all the time. But that is the picture that he presents here. And I think what he is wanting us to do is he's wanting us to not give up. He does not want us to lose heart. But one of the simple things that uh, people can go in circles with this. I've had interesting discussions about it. But our reality of existence is measured by time and God's is not. And if I just go to that, it, it, how does he, why does he choose to even mess with this little thing on earth and these humans and this thing called time? And he just is, and he's got this eternal existence. And I have no idea what all the scope of that place is, the universe, the place where God lives. We recently had a picture of that with Morris Yoder here. But just the incredible vastness of all that. And here we're this little piece of it. And God's saying, oh, cry out to me day and night. Okay, so where I go to with that is it's impossible for me to understand God's purposes in the big scheme of things. I, so I have to trust him. But I keep coming to him. I know that he can do whatever is in accordance to his will. I know that he hears my prayer. And so I keep taking it to him. Maybe sometimes he tells us not to. Paul says he took his thorn in the flesh to hit the Lord three times, and the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient. Kind of like, don't bother asking anymore, Paul. It's okay. My grace is sufficient in your difficulty. But let's pray persistently until the Lord gives us other instruction. I'd like to wrap up this part of the morning with two scriptures. You may find this one overused. I don't know if you do or not. 
I believe it has truth in it. It is specific to the nation of Israel. The United States is not Israel. But the principle that I believe applies is that repentance begins with the people of God. Right living, the ability for God to work and to grow his kingdom begins with the people of God. Simply says here, this is God talking to Solomon. This is in the, the context of Solomon's dedication and uh, asking for wisdom and God coming uh, and giving him his request. And he talks about what's going to happen as you go forward as a nation and you turn, your, turn away from me. He says, I'll judge you. But then verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What does that look like for us today? I don't know. We have an election coming up. Uh, I think I've been hearing this phrase for probably at least 20 years. I don't know. But every election we get to, somebody's saying, this is the most important election of our lifetime. So I guess they must be getting pretty severe by now. I don't know. Uh, and it, it feels that way. It seems that way. If you go back into the 60s before I was born, just before I was born, uh, there was an election that uh, the dynamics of the political candidates were such that people were thinking that, uh, and a lot of evangelicals felt this way, that President Kennedy should not be the president. And they did what they could to see that that did not happen. Uh, anyways, that's my observation from a short lifetime, what we do, we go to the Lord with it. Uh, he is building his kingdom and we are in cooperation with him. First Timothy two, and I'd like first to park on this one as we go to a time of prayer. I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all the who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of god our savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth so you know it doesn't really matter what country you live in or who's in power, God's kingdom still thrives and it grows. It says here that we should pray for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Uh, there's another place where uh, Jesus was admonishing, was it Jesus? Oh, back, I, I know it's in scripture, forget who said it. He said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, when the children of Israel were taken into captivity in Babylon, I believe one of the instructions they have was that they were to do what they could to make that a good place and to pray that God would prosper their time there. Pray that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. God is interested in his children showing to the world around them, us, what does it look like when people do life God's way?
And that is what we can do. That is the part of how we influence and can influence culture is by allowing God to transform us. After President Obama was elected, some of you may have heard me tell this story, so I don't think I have recently. Uh, it bears repeating. I pulled up to one of my customer's places, and the owner and a key figure there uh, met me, and we were discussing what had just happened. And I was quite saddened that both of them were of the opinion that he should be assassinated. In fact, one of them said, well, if I wouldn't get caught, I'd be happy to pull the trigger. And the other one said, I'd just pull the trigger. And it led to a discussion about, but I challenged them, I gave them just a little pushback on that. And I asked them, I said, so, if let's say Obama is wrong in what he believes, if you would eliminate him and take him out of the picture, who would be next in line? And I just said, you know what? You will never solve the world's problems through just political means. The only answer is in changing the hearts and the lives of the people around us. And that is the only way that society will ever truly change. That is why the Lord, when he came and people expected him to set up a political kingdom, he said, no. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. I could call 10,000 angels and keep this from happening, but I'm not. And then at his ascension, he says, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that's what he wants us to do. His kingdom is a spiritual one. It is not bound in by geographical boundaries and political arenas. It far exceeds that. So I'd like for us this morning to come with that, with that backdrop of, Lord, advance your kingdom. Uh, we're coming we're coming to this at a time when there is an election, there are political events happening, there's unrest. We needn't live in fear. I sadly, I heard recently of uh, some of the larger cities that the shop own, owners are actually closing up shop yesterday and are boarding up their businesses and they don't plan to be back until whatever unrest settles back down. They're anticipating it like, Really? This is going way beyond what used to be normal political discourse. Now we're taking to the streets to protest and fight. It's not God's way. Let's show the people around us God's way, how we follow Christ. So what I'd like to do next is I'd like for us to, I want us to spend just a few minutes uh, in quiet prayer on an individual level. Uh, I would like for during that time, I would like for you to think of some things that you would like to pray as a group. And then we're gonna split up into some smaller groups and have just a, a time of praying. And I'd like for us to do these things here in uh, 1 Timothy 2, 
the supplications and prayers are very similar. They have a little tweak of difference to them, but let's just, let's just go with the idea that both of those are taking our requests to the Lord for things that we want him to do. Intercessions, praying for other people, taking other people to God's throne. And then the fourth one listed there is giving of thanks. So uh, I'd like for us to enact what David was talking about. And then I would like for us to verbalize that uh, to the Lord and actually give thanks this morning. So first of all, a time of quietness. I don't want you to manufacture repentance, but if the Lord convicts you of something that does need repentance, then follow through on that. And let's have our hearts right. And that's what part of this first portion of quiet introspection will be, as well as, Lord, how should we pray? And then we'll take some requests and go to small group prayer. So let's pray quietly here at first.